0: Hello, and welcome to 100% Real with Ruby. Today, I am joined by two other amazing coaches who also highly emphasize the importance of mindset, or behavior change, and of, I guess, the actual art of coaching to not only get our clients' results, but to keep the results and to give them so much more than what they came in for. Because we come in for a particular result that's usually a physical one or a numerical one but you leave with so much more and sometimes you don't even leave because you realize that your goals have evolved and there is so much through this journey that you didn't realize would open up as you became a better version of yourselves so with that you'll be hearing from Dalton Frank and Ben Maysfield-Smith their handles are in the show notes below and if you have any questions let us know and please give this show a five-star rating will mean the world to me you don't even need to leave a review if you don't want to but the rating will mean the world to me because it means that I'm being heard I'm being listened to and it encourages me to keep making these things because I don't and won't ever have ads on this show because The thing I hate most when I'm listening to podcasts is I'm halfway through it and then there's like a million ads or you have to go through ads to even start listening to the podcast and there's a lot of shit talk. I try to give you guys what you came for. So with that, love you all and I hope you enjoy the show.
1: With the goals that they're talking about there in all those different realms and when like when we see incongruence or ambivalence in other areas, when we see this here, it is another example as to why we might fall off the wagon, stop with the behavior or really give up on trying for something because we actually can't even uh we we don't have those values aligned with the goals and stuff like that there, and so what I like to do just to help people understand it because i i don't know if I agree with the idea that maybe sometimes our goals aren't ourselves or like sometimes they've got the wrong goals. I think maybe I might be misinterpreting what their goals are, and so what I try and get them to understand is helping me understand and them clarifying their values into their goals for what they're trying to achieve there, and then test it and it, I like to test it it does take a little bit of extra time, but because they're not a prep client or a performance client, I want to see if the, if they're congruent with their behaviors works out a little bit better for them if it doesn't, then it falls on their face and they're, they're, they're really struggling and stuff like that, then I might open the idea to challenge them or look for different areas and stuff like that as well. but I've tend to found after ten years of coaching. The more I challenge someone on their ideas of what their goals are and stuff like that, the shittier results I end up with the clients and stuff. And I really started to lean into this idea of letting the client guide, even if I, even if I subconsciously from ten years of coaching think that they're wrong. If they want to try or something because of value based or goal oriented towards the thing that they're focusing on, I'll let them try it. And if they succeed at it, I'll own the fact that I was wrong on this thing. And if they're, you know, if they, it does turn out that I was right. Um, and that can happen as well. Then you know, I just get to use it as another learning experience for them. But I like that because it allows the the speed at which we achieve a goal to happen so much faster. Because they get to identify the value, they get to identify the goal that's for it, and then the clarity that we're talking about that we've spoken about so many times throughout this podcast really gets to be um, brought into this now because we can understand and like hyper focus on. Behaviors, actions, and beliefs. So we can look at the values that they've said, and like, right, I want to be self-compassionate, might be a value for them. honesty might be one and strength. Let's say those are some values that they have, right? And so they're trying to do this behavior of I want to lose a couple of kilos and also eat more fruit or vegetables or whatever the case may be. I want to get super clear on all of those aspects. But say their value of like self-compassion might be eating more fruit, and vegetables, and if. We figure out a way for them to do that and say, right, like how many do we eat at the moment? How many can we start introducing? What opportunity do you have to buy more environmental aspects? And then what capability or psychological aspects do we have to make this behavior work out? Then slowly implement that behavior over time, get really, really clear on it. We can make the goal happen so much faster because it's clarified from their values and it gives them reinforcement that they're on the right path for those things. Or if they start acting that's incongruent to that, it makes them subconscious that you like when you do something that you've identified as a value for you against that value, you feel shitty. You feel really weird and awkward about the actions and stuff like that. And that's what's cool about this is it's like it's free assessment on the fly to get a, a sense of if this is the right action or choice or behavior for you without even needing clarification from someone because you get to internally feel that experience and go, right, this probably isn't the best way for me to go about doing those things. And that makes the whole process so much faster than us trying to say, right, this is what I know has worked with 20 other clients. I'm going to help you follow along with this. Even though I know that it's likely going to be that process anyway, but the fact that I've had clients that aren't in that process, it allows them to get the same speed as the other people without me saying, right, if you fit into kind of this mold, you're going to have success. And if you don't, you might see you know different timelines or whatever. I see the same timelines because I allow for that flexibility.
0: Yeah, and I think this is why it's so important. Like, this is what I am so adamant on is each one of you clients, girls, whatever, each one of you is your own you. You're coming with your own experience, your own failures, your own complications, your own obstacles. And this is exactly one of the big things that I try to harp on with when people start off because we already spoke about this on the last podcast that fat loss should never be the very first phase in itself because you need to establish you need to establish a foundation first it's establish that foundation and don't go straight into fat loss because we know that that wasn't serving you before because that's what you were doing that kept getting you stuck and you don't want to keep repeating the same behaviors that got you stuck building up nutritional awareness building up all the foundational things that allow you to actually we spoke about this already at the start of the podcast the initial the initial parts of your journey are the most important and it should never be go back to our last podcast with Dalton, it should never be physique orientated in, in a sense of how much progress can I see in a week? How much progress can I see in a month? That should never be the physique focus or the goal focus of the first month, maybe even 12 weeks. Like the first six, four, six, eight weeks, sometimes it's even 12 weeks, is a prime time to build up a strong foundation. Sometimes that ends up going for months and months on end because you end up still realizing all these different things that are holding you back. Whereas before you would have maybe got a few results and then cycled back. And that again is reiterating the fact that it will take longer trying to do it the fast way than the right way. But regardless of which approach you take, it should never be the very first thing to getting started with a coach because they are there to change history because how do they say it in Harry Potter? It's just history repeating itself, which is the reality of most people. It's yeah. just history repeating itself because you're Didn't trying some,
1: to... Someone say, like, the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over We're and gonna over gonna and expecting that. different results, right? Like, and, um, you know, we've all been there. That's humans. We all do it.
0: And now, this yeah, is. Like to, to, to add to
2: that, that, if I can, if I can interject it, there on, like, got um, heaps. On, on goal. About values and goals. Um, we're kind of talking about there, like the, you know, getting clarity, like to, to come back to clarity again. It's one of my favorite quotes from Peterson is the way he specifies that. And something that I've found and, and like, I'll, I'll get probably about two or three points, but to wrap this together is one of the things I've found is like from years of playing rugby league, like high levels of rugby league, the bro culture, which you know I love. And it's like one of my favorite things that I miss is in, in, in a conclusive sort of environment, the, the group will tell you one thing. And no one's very specific. The team wants to win the grand final. The team wants to win the final. The team wants to get the trophy. The team wants to win the championship. And that's all the guys want to talk about. And so the group the group mentality is like, you know, this is what we want to do. And one of the things I find is when I take people inside that group and isolate them is, you know, men, especially one of the things I find with men, but I think people in general. People are rarely actually asked, what do you want in life? What do you want to achieve? What do you want to get out of it? Like, if this, a, if this is a zero-sum game and that is that you die at the end, well, what do you want to get in the process and journey along the way? What do you really want out of it? So when you're in your deathbed, you're like, this is exactly what made me happy, and I've got it because 99% of people go to their deathbed with regrets, but they'll never clear on what the thing they wanted to achieve was until it was too late. And like, oh, I should have actually done this. But you never specified. Life will help you get what you want as long as you're clear on what it is you're trying to achieve. Peterson talks about this as kind of like wrapping this back is one of my favorite points to tie into clarity and goal setting is he says you can have what you want as long as you're willing to specify and say what it is. Because no one is going to help you achieve something if you have no clear specificity and you have no framework of both success and failure. How do you know that you're going to fail something if you don't have to defined what that failure is? You know, I'm willing to put my heart on my sleeve and say, I'm going to change the reality of society in the way we perceive performance. People think that's fucking mad. Absolutely, fantastic. I'm great. I'm glad that you think that. I now have a success and failure criteria is that if I haven't reached a certain level, I know that I'm not on the track that I need to be. If I have reached a certain level, great. I know what success is, but I've got that specificity and clarity. My life now can orientate towards that and direct towards that outcome. If I didn't have that clarity and I didn't have that perception of myself and where I wanted to go and the company to go, I wouldn't have that direction in life to even say, hey, this is what I'm working towards. And mm-hmm. guess what drives motivation? It's understanding those goals and where you're trying to get to. So when you do see those, you see the the, the, the tick like slowly creeping along the scale and you can see it moving. You can see like the, the thumbnails kind of moving along. That's going to be those motivational increments that dopamine starts to produce. It's an anticipatory hormone that will have you incited by the fact that, hey, I'm getting better and better at this. I can see the positivity coming. I'm now anticipating positive responses. The more motivated I get, the more active I get, the more actions I take, the the more I move towards the goal that I've set, the more positive I'm going to feel about it, the more dopamine is going to hit me, the more I want to repeat that cycle and condition myself to keep doing it. It's putting the goal just far enough out of reach that you are motivated to reach for it, but not so easy that you can just reach and take it. When you can do that and you're clear on where you're going, then your goal becomes possible. But, and this is a very big but, you actually have to sit down with yourself and say, this is what I want to achieve. These are my values as a human. And these are the priorities that I'm willing to not bend on and not sacrifice on in order to achieve it. If you can't do those things, worrying about a fat loss phase means fuck all. Because you don't have the clarity of what fat loss even means. What is weight loss? I want to tone up. Okay, what does that mean? I want to drop five pounds. What for? I want to get on stage. Why? getting that clarity into what you're trying to achieve will enable life to help you get there. If you aren't clear, you're going to get hit like a fucking wave and it's going to knock you on your ass. And the likelihood that you get there goes down and down. But with yeah. us as coaches, with having that support mechanism around you, with that clarity and that specificity, we can now tailor your program, and your training and nutrition to achieve those things with you in mind and where you want to go. Yeah. If you come to us with that mentality of like, I just want to do X and maybe I'll feel better about myself chances are you won't. And also we probably won't get the result that you're after because you haven't specified that's the result you want.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to reflect that because you kind of already answered the question that I wanted to ask you, which is funny. But again, like you said, clarity. its We need that clarity of steps because process goals over outcome goals always, like we said, but you can't just say that you want to improve this or get this looking better if you don't know what that actually looks like. But not what it looks like. That's rubbish. If it's not in the context of your life, everything needs to be mm-hmm. in the context of your life, your personality, your shortfalls from before your failures from before your like anything that kept you stuck before you need to be so well aware of that to be able to then use that to fuel your forward. There was something I heard years ago that stuck with me and it's like, bring the lessons of the past and use your visions of the future to create a compelling present so that you can start to create more intrinsic drive to keep doing the things you want to do because that is a positive feedback loop. And this is why if you don't learn to celebrate the tiniest of wins, you're going to keep yourself stuck because we have a negativity bias. We have a recency bias. We will always remember when things were the worst, when things are going okay. Like, but things are, we just remember when things were the worst all their time. Oh, this happened last time. I'm always a thing. Yeah, And then we always remember the most recent thing. but feeding back onto this. There's also the side where people fear failing and embracing themselves. But the scarier part is that people are scared to admit that they have a goal and a drive in a sense. Like they, well, they admit they have a goal, but they won't go further into it because as soon as they want to start improving themselves, they start to get the fear of success, the fear of failure, future anxieties. And then most people start fearing that people will think they're egotistical because they want to improve themselves. But then that's not even really the issue. The issue is the fact that they're worried and guilty about the fact that they're putting themselves before worrying about all these other people. And it just creates this vicious cycle. And I think this is something you can both really speak on because that guilt, especially if you're a mother, can really hold people back. And then that's when the overwhelm comes in. There are so much to do with the family. I don't have time to put myself first, EBC, ETC. Yeah, one of my, like, there's...
2: Probably Two favorite philosophers of mine that, that that ring in here that I like to touch on. One of them is Nietzsche and the way he describes, if you, it's a very hard read and it's something that took me a long time. It's a very hard concept, but his book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra and the concept of the Ubermensch, which is hijacked by the wrong crowd. But when we look at it properly, he describes a person called the Superman and he has the, inside this book is described rather different forms of populations of people. And we have what's called the herd and the herd mentality. And a lot of what happens is he, there's a man who goes away and lives in a, in a, in a, a cave in a mountain range by himself in isolation and basically comes back and he's like man is actually meant to evolve man is not meant to reach evolution but man is meant to continually evolve and become better and strive forward and the the person is supposed to forego who they were and the, the previous person they were and they're supposed to strive towards being a better improved greater human being uber is like uh german for superman and um uh, if i've not butchered that do um but from that, he has what's called the herd. The, the the herd is one of the subsects of population. And the herd is safety. It's, it's a metaphorical for safety, security, safety in numbers, the the society as a general, as a whole. And one of the things that first got me open to the idea of being who I truly am is that, that the second you stand out, the second you try to be different, the second you try to work towards being the Superman, is that society wants to pull you back in. Not out of fear, not out of a, a fear towards you, but it is more of, and this is where the second philosopher that I really enjoy comes in, Yalom, who is an existential philosopher and psychologist, is one of his existential angst that he likes to talk about is uh, is freedom. And the fact is that when you strive towards something, you strive to be something different, you strive to better yourself, and you start to become more of who you want to be and the, you know, the person that you've envisioned being and acting upon that, you start to then create a challenge to ego inside other people that is not about you. It's about the fact that you're now challenging who they're not. And the more you act in line with the person you're trying to be, it challenges them to reflect on the fact that I'm actually not taking action to or who I want to be. That's why we always see that tall poppy syndrome. We always see that tall, like knock down the up and comer syndrome. Because it's not that we hate the person. Let's look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk was a fan favorite until only recently, where suddenly he's the worst person in the world. But up until when you know he was making all these big decisions and making these big changes, selling uh, selling uh, PayPal and you know investing into Tesla and SpaceX and all these obstacles he overcame, he was a, he was the the fan favorite. Now that he's reached his level of success, oh, he's a scumbag. He's this. He's this. He's this. And the reality is. These are just external projections of the internal ego challenge that people have not been able to confront and going, you know what? This isn't him being a bad person. It's me having to reflect upon the fact that at 60, 70, 80, it's too late for me now to act upon the life that I didn't engage with and the person I didn't want to become. And that's where uh, Yalen comes in is one of his existential angsts. There's there's four pillars or four anxieties that he believes govern most of behavior in life. And one of them is freedom. And the anxiety of freedom is not, is not, you know, it's not a, a positive thing that it sounds like I've got freedom. It's great. With freedom and the anxiety of freedom comes the acceptance of accountability, responsibility, and choice. Now, once you take on freedom, once you take on the right to have your choice and the fact that you are a det- uh, you're not a deterministic, but rather a free willed human being, you have the right to make decisions and take take choice and and uh, leadership in your own life. Is that you then have to take accountability and responsibility for the actions that you do or don't take. So a lot of the time, what I find with people that you know, talk smack about big dreams, big goals, big ambitions is that it's a reflection a challenge to them that they're not willing to confront the anxiety of freedom and they're scared to take responsibility and accountability of their own life in the directions that they are not taking versus the person who is striving. So that becomes a massive challenge to their ego and insecurity. And so rather than confront that, they will often draw the person back in and back down to the circle. They'll challenge those boundaries, those limitations. They'll challenge your values and goals let's see how much you really want to be, you know, the next Miss Olympia or the next CEO or the next executive or the next politician. I'm going to challenge that because it's safer for me to pull you back down than it is to confront the fact that I'm not doing what I want to do. And that was a huge thing to me that it hit me like a steamroller when I was like, I'm going to die anyway. Why am I living a life based with, you know, living a little life that is in the perspective and perception of other people's opinions of what I should do. If they're only doing that because they're scared of the life, they don't, they, they want to live and aren't. And if we can get people to perceive that, suddenly it's like, holy shit, why am I actually like, do I really not want to make this change? Or do I want to make this change? Okay. I've got to get pretty real in the fact that having that clarity, having that, that, uh, d- that, that defined goal success criteria is probably going to lead me to a better outcome. And I can probably move away from those circles that are holding me back.
0: I'm going to let Dalton take the this next one, because I think what Ben said is actually really important in that, It's not also that we fear that stuff, but also the fact that if others around us aren't growing with us, we fear that we're now not going to, like if you go back to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we fear the lack of belonging. We fear the lack of not being validated anymore or having ourselves judged in some way. Like that's one of the biggest things that holds so many people back, especially if your husband or your family members are people that are unhealthy people or overweight or overfat, And you're someone that actually wants to change your body. And if their love language is taking you out to eat, or there's just aspects of the relationship that are going to now get strained because you're becoming a different person in that environment. You're scared of now how you're going to be responded and received because your whole lifestyle, your identity was someone trying to diet and miserably failing years over years that you then become addicted to the idea of being a dieter, not wanting to not intentionally but you just become that person because you're worried about what happens next not because of you but because you haven't yet brought it into a reality which is kind of feeding into what I want to talk about next which Ben can feed on to sum it up to tie or bow on it as well especially visual imagery Ben can you pin that visual imagery so you remember mm-hmm. to that. but mm-hmm. that's what I want you to tie this all up with with the importance of visual imagery and Feeding that into what I'm about to talk to Dalton about. And that's why is Mm -hmm. it so hard with the complications, the obstacles, the discomfort in us, but also always wanting to do it all, to be it all. And then how to deal when life is too crazy and you still want to make progress because we need to. I know how Dalton's
2: going to take this. I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick, but I know how Dalton's going to take this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, the strategies for changes and how to break and change embedded routines because that comes into when life is crazy. And we go back to these embedded routines.
1: Yeah, so it's such a great question because I think that the, the concept is something that so many people are facing, whether they realize that they're facing it or not. Um, I, I, I again, like I, I bring this, always try to find as many easy models for people to take to apply and think about when it when it comes to this stuff. So. Um, I know that we've used stuff like, um, acknowledging, managing and coping with those strategies to help out when it comes to complications and stuff like that as well. Uh, so it's always the self-reflective approaches on examining our own beliefs and ideas and the, the wants and needs that we, we bring up to how we want to approach those things. But it's also examining and trying to converse with, with someone about the, the, the behaviors that we're trying to implement and try over time as well. And so it can become a really, really hard process around that. And so when we face complications, the the easiest steps that I like to try out when it comes to this stuff is, yeah, working through e- like any of the the stages uh, from the active work. I like from that would be that acknowledgement and the management around those things, and then trying to self reflect and understand the coping strategies that the other persons have around and what they're projecting onto you, or whether you're. Uh, internalizing that and what coping strategies you're projecting onto this because depending on those coping strategies it's going to determine what behaviors we're seeing in the interim between the behaviors that we're trying to have as the outcome for this you know. and that could be restarting the process over and over again, returning to diets like you were talking about as well but it all could, also can be just like lashing out with behaviors that are um, trying to create failure within uh, attempts at, at doing stuff to justify the effort or the work and stuff like that as well and so it's, yeah, it can be really hard and complicated to really oh, it's complicated to talk about complications. But I, I think that I like to uh, at least approach it from that kind of a perspective, the acknowledging uh, and managing and then working around the, the coping strategies or the coping mechanisms that we're going to apply when it comes to those things as well. Um, because all of that will have a physiological impact, right? That, that will start to play on how we handle stress and that downstream effect is going to, Then impact how we recover, how we sleep, how we eat and all all of those aspects as well. I mean, we keep talking about behavior change and thinking about it from from perspectives like this, but um, a lot of people won't even consider it from these perspectives. Most people are thinking like, right, how do I lose weight and how do I exercise and stuff like that as well. And what we're trying to do is saying like, it doesn't matter what we do with these approaches. You will never be successful with these approaches because of the shit that you actually, that matters is the stuff that we haven't even looked at or examined or even like uh, thought you all not thinking about because maybe you're not aware of it or maybe you don't want to reflect on it. It's this stuff here because of how that influences our physiology. And it's really, really cool. If anyone's listening or anyone's watching, um, an excellent resource on this would be Robert uh, Sapolsky's book on why zebras get ulcers. It's probably one of the most, it's hard read. Uh, but if you want to listen to it, he's got some YouTube videos that talk about it as well. It's a hard, complex read, but it is brilliant when we start to look at how we start to stress ourselves into situations and what changes the, our bodies go through from those uh, from those stresses as well, and how we can really influence them through psychological influence, like things as well, right? Human beings, I, I've spoken to this with Ben, like ad nauseum, but uh, we are one of the like craziest creatures where we can sit in a position right now we can imagine both a past and a present and a future in our inside of our head and it affects us right could you imagine a cane toad freaking out about like you know trump being president in 2042 or something like that like it doesn't it doesn't happen but we can sit here and imagine ourselves in 10 years time thinking about you know a, a child that we have before a made-up child imagining a relationship with a child or whatever and thinking about the interactions and relationships and the choices and stuff like that that we would want to have with that child um and we start to feel something it might not feel as powerful or whatever but like no animal can do that no one can do that mental gymnastics that we were just doing this that so we know we're so susceptible and vulnerable to the psychological stresses and effect that then play into this downstream effect on onto the physiology that we're working through as well yeah. um yeah. I just
0: wanted to say that tied in exactly to what Ben said, because remember at the start of the podcast where Ben was like, this all like performance is all intertwined in all these different areas. And it all starts with awareness and with acknowledging it, which is why if you listen to the last podcast with Dowson, that's why we both, myself included, we prefer the ACT model over the CBT model. CBT we model, yeah. You need to accept it and acknowledge it before you can change it. Because totally. this is the same thing with going into visual imagery. You need to first acknowledge where you are, accept your body now, accept your circumstances now before you can change it. Because you cannot change something until it is accepted. It doesn't yep. mean that you don't want to change or that you don't want better for yourself. Yeah. You just need to accept where you are. So I'm gonna let you wrap this up.
2: I think, I think just um just just touching on that acceptance point there is too, is a really powerful tool that I kind of challenged and disagreed a little bit with more uh, postmodern psychological therapy methods. um, When I was going through literally my last unit at uni was on uh, counseling theory is that there's enough, there's a a kind of incongruence amongst therapeutic practices. And a lot of people get hung up, especially in in modern society where challenging someone to be better is looked at as a taboo, challenging someone to be the best version of themselves or that they can improve is like this, this weird, uh, Almost ad hominem personal attack by being like, Hey, actually, you know what? You're being pretty shit. Let's be very real here. If you want to change behaviors or improve yourself, you have to first admit that you're not doing the behaviors that you know you should be doing, which means you kind of are being pretty shit to yourself. But also, that means you're not being self compassionate. It means you're not being aligned with who you want to be. So, that self actualization model. And one of the things that people get wrong when they look at acceptance is that they think in practicing acceptance, it means stagnation and it means that I'm staying still. That's not accept- that." That to me is one of the cruxes that I, that, that drives me wild in postmodern counselling, mm-hmm. is that we need to look at the idea that yes, it's okay who you are, yes, it's okay you made a mistake, yes, it's fine that this happened, but we are here to improve progressively better. So it's not just about, oh, you know, and a lot of people try and use this justification as a rationalization. If we go back to Freudian psychology for their poor choices, their binging, their, whatever it might be, the emotional toil that came from their stress and hard days work or the relationship problems, whatever. And so they stuff their face and they like, you know what? I'm beautiful the way I am. I'm fine the way I, am. I didn't need to change anyway. Wrong. We can accept that this happened. We can accept that there was a problem here. We can address it. You know, the ABCs, we can look at uh, psychological flexibility. We can look at the act model. But that does not mean there is an absence of desire to progress and improve. I would argue, in fact, that it should be if you're self-loving and you're self-compassionate, you should actualize to be the best version of yourself, which means being aware of and accountable to the fact that you're not being the best version of yourself. Which means there's a level of a person that you can evolve to. You can go from Super Saiyan 1 Goku to being Super Saiyan 4. That is a possibility that you have. When I talk about that in a prep context, I mean, that prep should start from being like we should start already in prep and probably fourth gear. By the midway point of of prep, we're just going to fifth gear. That's where we should be. That's how you can kind of visualize that. Um, I love that you said that
1: as well, because like that's the big part that I think uh, we really want everyone to understand that's listening to this is acceptance isn't defeat. It's not resignation. It's not giving up. It's not allowing something to exist the way it is. It's understanding that it's happened and still making the decision to move on with it. And that move on with it can be doing nothing about it or changing it. The cool point is that like it should come down to you, but the fact that you do it makes the whole process so much easier. Instead of waiting for this to intuitively happen where you stumble upon the experience or whatever, now we can compress that whole timeline to literally saying, right, shit happened that I wasn't uh, like I, d- I didn't like it, and so I want to do something about it and improve the way that I do this as well to literally like level up on on a beh- behavior and a skill and stuff like that. And that's where that stages of change model comes in that relapse or the idea of like failing and stuffing up and going back to the start again, is not necessarily starting over. It's that you're attempting to you know, restart the cycle again, but from a different position forward, right? We've gained ground. We've gained traction. So it's never defeat. It's never resignation. It's never giving up on yourself. You're not going backwards. It's the opposite. Yeah.
0: That's
2: a, a really important point just to kind of like add to that, that I really love Dalt is, and we're both going to uh, like, come from that background of understanding and loving it is is uh epictetus uh, epicurus or epictetus i believe describe the concept of the duality of life and if we're really going to practice the acceptance and we look at acceptance on a time frame or a time scale or timeline time horizon whatever you want to call it is that we're we're looking at the aspect that um there's a dichotomy in life the things that we can control are the things we can't control what we can't control on the aspect of your behavior change is that we can't change what's already happened. We can't change. Like if we go, if we're going through the aspect of a behavioral acceptance strategy is why we put in energy into something that has no implication of change has no ability to be changed when we can place our energy towards something that we can control and change immediately or directly. So looking back at what is or what was is the worst place to start because it immediately leads to a place of angst and guilt. Instead, let's look at it and go, you know what? If we go with the Stoics and the Stoics are pretty good, they've done pretty well in life. They did some pretty good things. Let's go with the Stoics and let's say, okay, so I need to look at what I can control versus what I can't control. I can't control. I can accept that this happened, but I can't control the ability to change time. I can't go back in time. I can't change what was. I can't create a a what if scenario or a different time horizon. Instead, I can play. I can only play forward. Life only moves forward. It can only move in one direction. I can control my next action, though. My next action can lead to whether that be getting back onto my protein or having more vegetables tomorrow or having my hydration back up, whatever it might be. That that is how we can kind of view that. Through the Epicurean level of of Stoicism and understanding that dic- that duality of life and saying yeah. I can't control what I can control, let's place the energy on what I can control, and that is let's move on to the next possible behavior. Or what I kind of put in the the point there in the in the, in the uh, comment box was choice points. Yeah. What is the the once you understand your goals and your values, we can very just very simply get back onto the next. And this is such an empowering tool for clients. I can get back onto my onto the track and get back on track, back on my wagon by simply making the next best choice is going to take me towards the life that, uh, that I want to live that is in alignment with my values and my goals. So very easy. If you're a client of any level with us, anyone here in this conversation, if you've made a mistake, you've made a hiccup, accept what is, and that is the fact that it happened. That is great. We're at the mm-hmm. point now we've accepted that it took place. It's unfortunate, but it happened. Don't chastise yourself or beat yourself up. Accept the duality of life that I cannot control that it has happened now. It's in, an, it's in a previous, uh, uh, a a historic timeline. Now I can't change it or impact it. What I can do is look at what I can control, which is the future. My next immediate action, which is to use choice points. Mm-hmm. Do I have the ability to make a choice right now that's going to take me towards my values and the goals that I want to live mm-hmm. or away? Mm-hmm. If the next immediate action is positively towards goals I want to live and the values of me as a person, I can't be upset and defeating myself because now the next immediate action is towards the life I want to live. That is a positive direction forward. And now I'm back on the track. So I just want to, I wanted to add that sort of perspective there.
1: Totally. And I love that you add it from there. I think my uh, my choice words for anyone listening here is like, I like to embody my the my white girl my white girl mindset so it's like am i living my best life can i make a choice right now that leads me to living (laughs) my best life and because that's such an easy visual auditory kinesthetic kind of like experience it makes the whole thing so much easier for me to remember to do that again in the in in the future so i try and live my best life every time and i live my cali girl (laughs) mindset (laughs)
0: that that even this all ties into we need to have realistic expectations and then really took that home this time saying that you can't just look at a past in order to create that because it's like comparing oranges to pineapples. Yeah, they're both fruits, but they're completely different. And it's also the same in that you need to give yourself a realistic starting frame. And like Dawson said, you want to climb up the ladder one step at a time and not try to skip steps because you're only going to fall back down more. So, with that, I'm going to tie this up with a couple of questions. And if you guys have any questions you want to leave, I'll put them into the below as well. But my main question is how do you want to feel and how do you want to experience life this time next year? How do you want to feel and how do you want to experience life three years from now? Which seems like a long way away. But if you think about how long you've been on your journey thus far, it's been years and years and years and years and years. You can make way more progress in the next three years than you have in the last 30 years. Because when you set that direction and you're taking it on with the right mindset, the right approach, the right realities, knowing that dual, what, how does, I don't know how Slipknot sings it, but dual reality, like knowing that dual reality, I love Slipknot, dual realities exist. it It makes it so much easier because even as a female on a cycle, like you have a dual reality on your fourth week of your cycle because you're a completely different human being, but you're still living the same reality. So take that with you. And I'm going to let Dalton and Benjamin finish this off with two questions each, and then we'll also buy.
2: bye. We're asking questions of.
0: For the people listening to this.
2: Oh, two, two questions of listeners. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are you and... living
1: your best life? What is it? <laughs> First one for me is: Are you living your best life? I like that. It's like a nice, easy self-reflection. Ah. Oh.
0: And what will it take for you to get there if you're not?
1: Yeah, like I, I, I guess, like some some kind of like grounding question, like that, to give them the direction towards that path. You know, is is also a very handy one as well. Um, I also, I think maybe, um, and my, I, I, maybe this bit tidbit is uh, i spoke about some values and stuff like that before and i spoke about some examples of way to understand that one of the ways that i like to self-reflect on that to figure out if um, if the value aligns up with what i'm thinking and what i'm experiencing is how would i feel if i overheard someone talking about me in another room, or down the hallway, or you know, like um, you know, giving a presentation on my life or something like that. And I was listening it, you know, would I be pr- proud of the actions and the the way that they used those words to describe the things that I did, or would I, you know, feel ashamed or something like that? So I use that question of like, you know, what would make me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside to know that what values align with what i'm trying to do because it's a weird thing for us in the western culture it's not a familiar thing that we talk about all the time and so it can be a little bit difficult to kind of imagine so i like that question of you know am i proud of the way that someone's describing me or is there some different ideas of how i would like to act in and be congruent with my values there as well oh
0: wow Thanks.
2: i think i think one of my i oh. I have a very existential, dark approach to life. I think anyone that's followed me long enough starts to realize that pretty quickly. Uh, But one of my favorite questions that I would probably hit someone with is, is if you were to be on your deathbed right now, what would you look back on with regret or what would you fear that you hadn't achieved And if you have something right now that you can visually see that that would impact you, if you get an anxiety is stirred up inside of you, or like an internal guilt of like, you know, you've reflected on that, that existential pressure kicked in. Like the fact is that you are going to die. That's a very harsh reality to conceive, but let's conceive it. If there is something right now that you are feeling regretful on because that thought is provoked in your head, why are you not working towards that? Because there is going to be a point in time where you are, 70 80 90 years old and the ability and the opportunity costs are now gone and you don't have the capacity to reach for and strive towards it so why aren't you living towards it now before the time is too far gone
0: i love that i really love that time is going to pass anyway regardless of what you do and even though it seems like it's so far away if you think about where we are now like how the fuck are we three years post lockdowns like Mm -hmm. how it's been ages and so many of us are still stuck in the same narratives and not to your fault because it completely changed so many of our lives, but that's the thing. Time is going to pass and it passes a lot quicker than you think and your life. Yeah. You only live one life. So make it one. That's worth living.
1: Yep. I love it. And I love that. Uh, uh, that, that aspect of time as well. Like when that example that you use, like where will you be in three years time or something like that? Like I think Ben and I have had so many conversations around this, but like I couldn't be more proud of him as a friend as well as watching him like succeed in his business now compared to, I remember him mapping out, you know, what, what the next five, 10 years and stuff like that's going to look like. And for him to achieve this shit in 18 months, two years, three years, like pretty fucking cool. I love that.
0: Thanks,
2: man.
0: I appreciate I it thank you guys for listening into this podcast thanks for
2: having us i've been through this for a while
0: this was such a great conversation and i hope you listen to it over all the three episodes that i have put out and if you have anything that you want to ask us shoot it through to our dms because we are very responsive and we care about Not only your thoughts, but your takeaways and your growth from every episode, because everything you listen to, everything you read, everything you come across and interact with is a growing experience if you allow it to be.
2: I can say with certainty, like the excitement that I get, if someone messages me a takeaway or a point, or like they highlight a caption in a story from a podcast I've been on, the amount that I still humble myself and feel like that humility of, wow, someone just listened to what I had to say and took something away from that as an educational point, like blows my fucking mind. Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely. I've got some clients that signed up from podcasts and it blows my mind to think that people listen to the (laughs) Oh God, I can't even understand it. Comprehend it. This is awesome. So thanks guys. Thanks for listening.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: Bye.